0: Welcome to Generations of X, the podcast where we discuss the past, present, and future of all things X-Men. I'm your co-host, the uncanny Day Spring.
1: And I'm your other co-host, the adjectiveless Flinkman.
0: Folks, we have such a special guest with us today. Ryan Ting is a global brand development and marketing senior manager for Hasbro. You have without a doubt seen his face on all their live streams, including Fan First Fridays. Most importantly, he is a fan fellow fanboy being inspired by all things Marvel since the 90s, including the 5-inch Toy Biz figures. And he is here with us today. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks Thanks for having me. I know uh, that was
2: quite the intro. All all accurate.
1: We are so, so, so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, but before we dive in, uh, please hold while we carefully inspect that dis- display behind you. Uh, oh, no hints. No sort hints. Of become... <laughs> the hallmark of the of the 2020 live streams and you know we're we're big fans of all of those
0: yeah we we have no hints there we're, we're all looking we're all looking man every live stream people are just looking at your background my husband and i are always like what does he have there what does he have there
2: i had the our, our new wave of like you um, may have seen them the uh, three and three quarter retro Figures they have been permanently in the display, but right before we recorded, I just threw in whatever X Men I could find. So you'll see some some old product behind there. Th- those yeah. aren't hints. That's just whatever I was within uh, <laughs> was visible
0: hints. to me to grab. <laughs> twenty twenty has been such a a tough year, and the Fan First Fridays you all do has it's been such a beacon. And I think I can speak for a Flink when I say thank you so much for that. It's what you, Dwight, Laura, and Dan do, it's next level and the fans really appreciate it. I feel like every time you guys announce a fan first Friday, everyone, all eyes are on you guys.
2: Yeah, we're we're grateful that the fans can tune in. And you know, we put we put a lot of work into those shows. Not only, you know, the those of us who are on the streams, but the whole crew and the, the team that puts those videos together. So it's it's just really great to hear that the fans have appreciated um, those events this year. You know, some have said they've kind of stood in right for the conventions that we, we couldn't meet up at. Um, so we're glad to continue doing those, I think, um, for the foreseeable future.
0: You yourself are a fan. So we want to dive into your history with Marvel's Merry Mutants. And the first question I'm going to ask you is, how did your love of the X-Men begin?
2: I was thinking about that a little bit um, to prep for this. And I don't know that there's like a singular moment, but it was like a bunch of things happening at the same time. So if I had to break it down, it'd probably be like the the animated series, clearly, like when that was on um, Saturday mornings, Um, trading cards, which different people kind of got me into them and I picked it up myself and got obsessed with them. And then also just the toys, you know, the the Toy Biz line, which was a way for me to learn about new characters as well. And sort of all all three of those things were happening at the same time. And I think it just kind of created that groundswell, Um, was into comics a little bit, but I always always kind of reminisce that um, back in the 90s, right, there was no internet or it was dial up and very limited back in those days. And the way for me, the way I learned a lot about the X-Men were were those avenues. Um, I read a few comics, but it was tough to, you know, when you're a little kid to get to a comic store, you're definitely not getting there every week. You might get there as a special treat if your parents drove you. So it was these other... other ways to interact with with the characters and the stories and learn that way
1: so taking into consideration you know all of that the animated series the cards and and the action figures who is your favorite x-men who was your favorite x-man and has that like carried forward to today
2: yeah i mean it's it was it's probably a toss-up between gambit and rogue but i always kind of, of rep gambit a little he's my he's my number one for for a lot of reasons he just seemed really cool to me um, you know, as a kid, his powers, his his accent and his portrayal on, on the show, um, everything from like video games, cards and everything uh, to that. So he was probably he definitely had him uh, in the toy biz here. This is my yes. um, Gambit toy, biz figure. And if we, we can talk more about toy biz later on. But uh, just because I have him here, like I was such a crazy kid for the figures that I would open them all. But I like would would leave the. The blister partially attack oh so you could take them out. I would play with them, and then I would very carefully put them back with all the accessories, his little oh stack, my god, and then seal them back up. And I have like a whole stack of these. These were the originals. um So that, Fine.
1: that's I mean that is that is next level. That is next level. I had no patience for that. I was like, give me toy now, ripping them open as soon as I could. I love that you mentioned that that Gambit figure uh, specifically. That was one of my gateways, shall we say, into, into X-Men. I probably had, had to get like three different versions of that figure though, because his leg after a certain period of time would not <laughs> stay down.
0: I forgot about that, yeah, the leg action. But I think I'm seeing rogue and gambit statues also in your background. Yes,
2: I, I grabbed those too. So in addition to you know action figures, I've got comics and a lot of collectibles. I've got a bunch of different statues, premium format stuff. I have some comics lying around that I pulled as well. Just you know, going after different covers that I either remember from back in the day or um, new new iterations of that. Where do I have them? Yeah. So like, you know, my my gambit love, you know, going after <gasps> these oh, yeah. covers like like John Tyler Christopher, who is a fantastic artist. Um, work with on Legends sometimes, and I have I have the Rogue version here too. So I kind of keep up, you know, I dabble, I dabble. From
1: you dabble, my- you dabble. Have, have yeah. any of those covers inspired like choices for legends?
2: I think so. Oh, well, not those in particular, but, that's, oh, yeah. you know, the the, the team uses a lot of reference. It's really funny. Like, well, I'll be standing in Dwight's office back when we were, you know, in the office and we're, we're thinking of characters to do. And it's like, oh, you know, this, maybe this character isn't the best fit here or we have an empty slot like what should we do and it's like what about this and then I, I watch Dwight as he pulls up Google or whatever search <laughs> computer and he just types it in and then I watch him scroll through you know different comic art panels and covers and we like that that is how we make a lot of you know decisions on stuff believe it or not.
0: I, I love that man okay wait wait so you love Gambit I keep looking at the Gambit statue in the back because I've, I've been eyeing that and that's really expensive on the secondary market so you have like the holy grail of gambit stuff for me, but <laughs> you love Gambit. Let's be a little salty here. Which is your least favorite X-Man?
2: I was thinking about that too, and I don't know. I
0: <laughs> And we I, don't want to send fandom after you. Jump on a lesser
2: character, but uh you know I could I could go the safe route and just say Cyclops just because <gasps> the things he does, you know, you don't necessarily agree with he he kind of had some of his moments you know, over the years, um, but you can't really hate him. You yeah. know, so yeah. Kind of a, a cop out answer, but that—that's what I'll say
0: for now.
1: I can feel you on that. Cyclops—he's—he's a, he's a polarizing—he's a polarizing figure amongst X fans. So I can—I can back you up on that. Ryan, the—the
0: the official stance of the Generation of X podcast is that Doctor Hank McCoy is the worst X man ever. And we're I'm aware we of We—we this. This. <laughs> we asked this question to all of our guests. Where did he get his PhD from? We don't know. No one knows. He just showed up one day and was like, "I'm a doctor." Oh, really? Like so. Mm, mm. Well, but he's got like a lab coat and glasses, so that he looks the part. <laughs> <laughs> so my question for you is: Of all the fans that, that have come up to you and they've talked to you about these characters, and you yourself have read them, you've been exposed to like a multitude of these characters in their various incarnation. Which character has the best look for you like which look across all the eras are you like that is a great design
2: i mean i'll stay on brand and just kind of say that that 90s um rogue like right here i feel like of all the costumes she's had over the years none of them have kind of ever come close to to my opinion Um, Gambit's my favorite character. He's had a bunch of different looks, but I think some of them kind of are, are similar to that '90s era. But for me, that that Rogue is just the number one, and that's why we fought so hard to bring her back with Gambit on the retro card figures this year on that uh, blue to- or that orange uh, toy biz card. And uh, you know we love those looks. And Tony Colella, who was who also another model artist who works on Legends too, um, did did those.
0: That Sunday after Thanksgiving, I feel all all Marvel Legends like collectors were at target. Like, were you, were you following some of that?
2: I was, we were, we were a little aware that that was happening because we, you know, we heard it from our U S marketing folks. We knew that target was, was doing a big in-store play and the flyer, you know, it was going to be in the flyer. It was like a buy one, get one or buy two, get one or some kind of deal. Yep. But I'm, I'm hopeful that most fans who ventured out that, that Thanksgiving weekend were able to, to come away with what they wanted. Um, we know that's not always the case, but in, in working very closely with with all of our uh, kind of Hasbro teams, Dan and I, Dan Yun and I were, were saying, look, like these are really high demand. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. Like you need to up the forecast on Rogue because we cannot have coverage. People will will be so mad <laughs> at Rogue. So we were trying to to you know satisfy the demand on that. And people have been asking for her since the 2016 Juggernaut Wave first came out Um, So it's been, you know, four years later um, since then.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think most of the feedback that I that I've heard, it's been it's all been really positive. Anybody who actually, you know, made the effort seems to have been able to, to get their hands on one. So that's awesome. Um, but hearing that that Rogue is your your favorite uh, design and that she's one of your your very favorite characters, I'm a little surprised now that she wasn't your top figure of 2020. That was actually uh, movie Logan in his 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 tank top look. Uh, why did you pick that figure?
2: So so I because I kind of felt that was cheating to do either Gambit or Rogue on the retro card as like the number one because it, it's it's basically a re release. There was a yeah. there were heads on both of them. So that's why I put the, I like, I cheated. I like put both of them as the number 10. So they still made the list,
1: Yeah.
2: the number one. And the the reason I put um, the movie Logan number one was just because, you know, how a little bit of a behind the scenes of how hard it was to get X-Men movie figures into the line after all these years and everything kind of the stars aligned. There was a lot of um, business considerations that went into that line. And, um, you know, I'm just a huge fan of the movies and Hugh Jackman's portrayal of the character. Um, who would have thought, right? And when that first film came out that he would play Wolverine and however many movies it ended up being over all those years. And it's kind of like until they wow us with whatever new announcements he's gonna be, you know, Wolverine for us in a whole generation. So that's kind of why I, I put him as number one.
0: Well, I love that you're giving so much adoration and respect for Hugh Jackman. And that's all, that's great and all, but we are a shady podcast, Ryan. <laughs> and we are gonna ask you some hard X truths right, now. right And our first question for you is Professor Xavier. Should he be in the hover chair or do you like him with the Cerebro helmet? I gotta go,
2: I gotta go hover chair on that because you know, as a uh, you know, kid of the nineties and, and a funny story about the hover chair legends figure. Was, uh we've been wanting to do that for a very long time. And I kind of talked about this in an Instagram post, but um, that's kind of why me and the designer at the time wanted to do vehicles because we were like, oh, we really want to do, you can't just release a Professor X figure without the hover chair. I mean, you could, but it would be very awkward. Um, But we, so we had to do this vehicle line and it was like, oh, we really want to pitch Professor X, but some some of our, some of our, you know, leaders who aren't uh, X-Men fans are going to look at this character and be like, like, why would anyone want this? And so we kind of had to slow play it. And do things like Ghost Rider and Black Widow first, who are strong characters in their own right. And those are fun items. But man, we were just really, we we're just waiting to get to do uh, Professor X.
0: You created this entire line just so you can give us Professor X in the hover chair. <laughs> <laughs> Not, j- I mean, I shouldn't say just for the reason. Yeah, like we were looking for
2: ways to expand and we thought, how about a vehicle skew? And the first thing that popped to my head was, you know, the hover chair there. Um, so I was glad we got to do them in year two and then we've continued in this year and, and moving forward we're kind of running low on on motorcycles because those are those are the standard but um you know it might it might expand who knows
1: uh, i just want to put it on your radar that that my girl dazzler is a very big motorcycle <laughs> fan especially in oh, one of the costumes you have not okay. made for her yet so i'm just going to
0: yeah
1: that. yeah you should totally do another dazzler we need another peg warmer out there
0: <gasps> Really. Sorry, we are shady here, Ryan. Our next question, and don't feel obligated to give a great response because one of your co-hosts today is a die-hard Jean Grey fan. But what out of all of Jean Grey's looks, which is your favorite Jean Grey? I mean, I'm such a mark for the
2: '90s stuff, so I, I would go like I would default to you know that uh, that animated series kind of look uh, with the or- with kind of the orangish um, look there with the ponytail but I was thinking about it and I, I did also like her, just like the different iterations of the Phoenix too, I would say um, Phoenix and song covers like reminded, like I know I had those somewhere back in college and enjoyed reading that. So that can be my one A underneath.
1: Do we have you to thank for the ponytail head and the uh, love triangle three pack that Gene came with? No, I mean, I can't take, I can't take credit
2: for that particular touch. I think that that was definitely Dwight and Tony and the team. Um, thinking about it but uh yeah you know we needed an item and it was like we want to do jeans so let, let's do the three pack and so that was kind of the the collaborative effort there and um yeah I don't know there might be and anytime there is kind of x-men stuff in the line it's 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 probably because of uh people like Dwight and, and Iron and Tony like really fought for it I would say
0: well I love that you mentioned song. Because Phoenix End Song is one of my favorite Jean Grey stories. And especially at the end when she goes on full White Phoenix. And you guys had a White Phoenix scheduled uh, back in the day. I think before you were on the team. And it never saw the light of day. But I found her on eBay right there. That figure, this figure right here, is like my crowning achievement for my collection. And he's so petty.
1: You can never make her now because he wants to have the only one. If you make her... don't make her again. I only have that. Her. Was that figure actually released? What wave was that? Was that supposed to be in?
0: This one was supposed to be in the Rocket Raccoon wave, where you had okay. the White Phoenix and Age of Apocalypse gene. Yep. But for whatever reason, I'm forgetting what the reason was. The variants weren't showing up. This is like with Danny Moonstar and some of the other ones. And I, I love '90s gene, but I was looking forward specifically for White Phoenix. So like four years ago, I someone had her on eBay for whatever like prototype, you know, factory prototype. And my husband and I with Raccoon Eyes were just hitting refresh for like three hours straight. And we probably paid way too much for it, but it's it's such a beautiful figure. Speaking
2: of unreleased figures, I, uh, I had this ready to go here. So of course, going back to the road. <gasps> she was this. one of them. So this was, yeah, this was in that, uh, the Puck wave. Right um, back then. Uh, And yeah, the story, the funny story about this though is before I was even working on the Marvel team, I was at Hasbro working uh, in the game, the board game side of the business. And we have a company store which, you know, sells a lot of like current releases, but sometimes for whatever reason, they just get random old product or people have old samples and they don't want to just throw them away. So they give them to the store and if the store wants to sell it. And so I was just walking by probably like on a lunch break. And then I just saw that figure and I was like, wait a minute, this never, this never came out. Like, what is this doing here? And it was like $8 or something. So I was like, yeah, obviously. And uh, I would have kept it uh, mint on card, but the glue on the blister was already like falling apart. So that gave me an excuse to open her. Um, and so now I yeah so now I have her in my collection. She's probably one of my one of my prized legends figures that I didn't even work on right. Like I just picked her. Up. <laughs> That's amazing. Wait, can
0: can you hold her up to the screen? Can we see her?
2: Yep. So this was. Oh, look at her. And then I... why we put out the new one with Pyro, which is a
1: similar you know the same costume but yeah. kind of
2: updated figure kind of in every in every respect there
1: i love it and i i just want to say thank you for for zipping up her costume i that was always (laughs) something that drove me crazy in the comics when it was depicted that way like why would you put an x right there just to unzip it it just wasn't pretty i didn't i didn't care for it so thanks for that um So we've covered your your love for the animated series and your love for Hugh Jackman as as the Wolverine. So I'm going to be super savage right now with this hard X truth and ask you, who do you prefer? Animated Wolverine or Hugh Jackman Wolverine?
2: Yeah, I mean, I still we'd have to go animated. Definitely.
1: I mean, what would you prefer? Yellow spandex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love animated Wolverine.
2: Yeah, where we re- re- I'm rewatching the um, the animated series on Disney Plus. It's been years since I kind of went through it all. I actually at a small convention many years ago bought like a DVD, like a bootleg set of the whole series, but I of course like put it away and like never actually got to watching it. So to have it now all on Disney Plus was really fun. Um, so just kind of you know, reliving the, f- the first season now is, is really
0: fun. Well, we have so many questions about your relationship with the animated series, but you mentioned Disney Plus. And in two weeks, we are getting WandaVision. And on this podcast, we have speculated that this could be the beginning of the mutants in the MCU. So on a personal level, how excited are you for WandaVision?
2: It's tough these days to, to disassociate the personal fan from the work, because you know they're they're one and the same now. But um, i'll yeah, like as an as a Marvel fan, as an X Men fan, uh, I'm psyched that we're starting the Disney Plus journey in the MCU because I love I love the Mandalorian too. But we've got to we've had to sit as the Marvel team on the sidelines for two years as Mando has like just killed it and done so well and had so many awesome products and told. Introduced new characters, brought back old characters, and now finally Marvel is is waiting in. Um, that's going to be great. Uh, I I think I'll be interested to see the reception, just because from what we know about the series, it's you know they're they're it's a little bit off the wall, or at least the way that the trailers have marketed it with kind of the different you know sitcom and the black and white episodes and things like that. So there's there's clearly like more going on, and they're going to explain all that I would assume. So. Um, yeah, I'll be interested on it on a new take of a kind of show and then I kind of feel like and again this is just based off the the public trailers right that uh the Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out feels more familiar it kind of feels like that Captain America Civil War type vibe Avengers Avengers-y so really excited for, for both of them soon.
1: Dayspring has has theorized you know uh a couple times on this podcast that perhaps the opposite of what happened in house of M where, where Wanda says something like no more mutants perhaps. And this she'll be like, yes, please mutants. And, and she'll be the Avenue for, for how we, we get mutants in the MCU when she breaks the multiverse. So well,
0: yeah, when I- you read, when you read that original run of vision and Scarlet witch, I mean, she's living in a fantasy. She'll have her mental breakdown. And if the rumors are true that this is going to lead into doctor strange and everything, it just makes sense. But.
1: I, I could go on about Wanda. I'm sorry. <laughs> we won't do it. We could, we could get in the weeds on Wanda, but we won't, we won't do that to you. Um, our final hard X truth. And, and this one again is coming from me. Cause like I mentioned earlier, I'm a huge, huge uh, Dazzler fan. Uh, so what's your preference? Disco Dazzler or arcade game Dazzler?
2: It's gotta be the arcade game. Um, Just because I, I don't think I was reading the books back when she was, Disco Dazzler, and I, I, I want to say the arcade game was like how I got introduced to her, you know, uh, in that big, you know, six-player double screen, awesome, awesome game. Um, yeah, and that's why, you know, when we, when we did her on the vintage card uh, a couple years ago, you know, Dwight went with that look. Um, he actually went with the roller skates versions first, which yeah. I, I swapped the order just based on, on my recognition of it, but mm-hmm. um, that
1: I was going to say, we got, we got both versions of that look in about an 18-month span, and I'm like, woo, zero to 60. But So I'm, I'm just curious, is, is there a secret Dazzler fan on the Hasbro team? I don't know if it's a secret. I think I think Dwight,
2: I, I might have been someone else, but yeah, I think it was Dwight. I'll attribute it to him for now. He just likes, I think he likes fun kind of designs and that Disco Dazzler with kind of the bell bottoms and the microphone mm-hmm. roller skates. just really kind of off the wall
1: and it's still
2: probably one of the most unique x-men figures that we've probably ever done
1: i i love it i love it i could speak all day on my love for dazzler but moving on you know from our hard x truth uh (laughs) as we've as we've mentioned you know a huge uh gateway into the wonderful world of mutants uh for any 90s kid like us was uh that iconic Five-inch X-Men line from Toy Biz. I love them. DaySpring loves them. They're they're a pillar of our fandom and and so many others. Um, You were super big into those figures. Did you have like a a huge collection or you just only got the guys that you liked?
2: It was a bit of a mix. You know, I don't. I wasn't a completist. Definitely, Um, I had a bunch of characters who I loved. You know, your Gambits, your your Rogue, a bunch of different Wolverines, and then in looking through. You know, I I got a bunch of characters either, I don't know if they were gifts from other people or I just picked up a character who I had never known before. So like, I actually have examples here. I like Slayback, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Random. This This was my first experience to Random before reading about him in the books. He has the little projectile yeah, the, the projectile oh, we, firing we, things.
1: So you um, know that figure old. Uh, those are those are two names you'll be you'll probably be hearing again later. <laughs> those are, are those on your wow. any any
0: want lists? Yeah. Well, we did a feature on Slayback recently, and uh, it started with Flink giving a uh, background on him on our podcast. And then we did a reading guide for him on the Instagram. So I should we could go listen to that. I don't even know much about
1: him. He's just really- <laughs> we didn't either. <laughs> we didn't like, either. Like. <laughs> yeah. So, were you into uh, all of the sublines like Generation X, X Men twenty ninety nine, and all of that, or were you just kind of like that orange card back mainline guy?
2: Yeah. So, as a kid, I would say I was most into the original line, the orange and purple villain line, and then yeah. the the X Force. So, like the blue hero, and like the darker. I think it was like a black card for the villains. I didn't get in. I didn't, as a kid, play with. Any of the following lines after that, but as an adult collector going back, you know, I've, I've definitely picked up some of those Generation X figures, I, um, and some of the yeah, some of the others.
1: Well, if you can't tell by the name of our podcast, obviously we are huge Generation uh, X fans. So I'll just that—that's a little nugget. You can do what you <laughs> will with that. But Ryan, I, I have a question because you,
0: because of your job, this puts you in a very unique position. And to, to give an answer on it, how was collecting those five-inch figures, how did it enhance your, your experience with the X-Men and your fandom? As a kid
2: or as a, as a kind of older?
0: As a kid, yeah, as, as little Ryan, as little Ryan. How do you think that collecting those action figures, how did that lend itself to the fan experience?
2: I think it definitely led to my appreciation of packaging. Clearly, I wanted to save the packaging, even though it's not mint anymore. Um, and yeah, just, just really going deep on, on characters. I think that's, you know, if you want to get into like, uh, on the, on the marketing side, there, there, there's all these, you know, character studies of which characters rank the highest or which characters sell the best. But at at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, there are completists out there who need to have one of everything. And we certainly love those, uh, (laughs) great people to contribute to our business. But I think what it boils down to is people go after you know, those characters they love the most and will support them um, that way. So uh, yeah, I'll say that. And it's just a lot of great memories too. I think looking back, going through the pegs at Toys R Us or and those old stores back in the day. And um, I remember too, the Deadpool figure, which I have, this is a new one that I recently huh? acquired off eBay. So it's sealed, but um, the one, my original Deadpool, I don't think I knew much of the character but I actually didn't even buy the figure or pick it out. Because I remember walking into my bedroom one day and I, I think my father had just picked it up somewhere and just like left, like he likes to like do funny kind of like jokey things. And so he would just, he put it, I had um a bunch of figures like lined up in a display in the package and he just put a Deadpool in there. And I it could have been like a couple of days for all I know. But then I finally mm-hmm. noticed he just like appeared out of nowhere and it was a really fun figure. It had the swords and the little spring dagger. Little right? Stabby action. Yeah, just a lot of me- fun memories too, like that.
0: What What does your dad say now that you're working on Deadpool figures? He think he thinks it's the greatest.
2: You know, he's he's a big fan. Um, he watches live streams too. It's really cute. He'll be like, "Oh, it was great." Uh, yeah. So he's he's super supportive, and um, you know, I collect kind of a bunch of things, not just X Men, but Marvel is certainly like probably the biggest umbrella thing, and uh, they just really nurtured that from an early age, from Star Wars figures to ninja turtles to x men and things like that of that nature so they haven't they didn't like discourage any of the crazy collecting obsessions um that we you know all share here <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i love how you were uh opening those packages just to make sure that everything remains intact now did you do that for your favorites like gambit is gambit your favorite figure from that 5 inch era is he my favorite figure? I don't know. Um, or who is your favorite figure?
2: I, I've hunted that. Ro- I've hunted the rogue more in recent years and different iterations of her. I have the like the uh, the giant size one. It's like a ten or some inch one. I think it's still trapped at the office. I have to go like rest. <laughs> it's in quarantine. Um, because I got her at a convention we were at. Uh, working probably San Diego and then I shipped it back to the office with a bunch of our other stuff we were bringing back and so I just left her at the office um, and never brought her home but anyways uh, yeah I think that rogue figure just the design I think objectively speaking when you're a kid like the gambit figure with the plasticky cape is like not the greatest although now we think back on it fondly but probably in the moment it was like what is this
0: wait i want to ask about that rogue figure specifically that mold because they toy biz back in the day pimped out that rogue mold with like the uppercut action uh, across like their 10 inch line to their repaint what do you what do you feel how do you feel about that figure now working in the industry and seeing it.
2: Yeah. So it's believe it or not, like Hasbro didn't invent repaints like <laughs> well, I... forever. Uh, I was looking into that though. I couldn't find aside from this like giant Jean gray, I wasn't sure. Oh, was it like a Polaris? They did a Polaris. They, like, they
0: did they Polaris did. Uh, Mystique in the 10 inch line
1: it um they it did polaris in the 10-inch they did gene and yeah. they, they did storm they actually storm. sculpted a, a new head and a cape for the 10-inch storm but she still had that uppercut body that rogue had it was like a kb toys exclusive like 10-inch repaint line and every single female was based off of that rogue or off of the 10-inch xena that toy biz did like there's a <laughs> a uh, Xena painted green as as She-Hulk, which I still have somewhere, and I adore it. You brought up the point that Hasbro didn't invent repaints. And I remember being a little kid
0: and seeing that repaint wave from Toy Biz. And we got Electra, we got Polaris, we got Gambit in a new outfit. And I was just genuinely excited. And I remember on the message boards, people were a little, the, the Toy Biz message boards on AOL keyword Marvel, They were a little kinder about it. They said, well, we're getting characters we normally wouldn't have gotten.
1: And now it's like next level, you know, if they see a repaint. I mean... The, for me, you know, the manner in which Hasbro like operates Legends now, it kind of mirrors that old toy biz exclusives process, and where you're taking the parts from the existing figures to create the new characters. And, and in my opinion, I think in Dayspring's opinion, it it works then. It worked then. It works now. And I personally have nothing but love for for that method of getting characters we might not otherwise out there.
2: Yeah, it works for all the lines. You know, for for Marvel, we have a lot of figures that are like smooth, smooth body costumes that can be repainted easily it doesn't work as well for certain like Star Wars characters, but then they do their own thing with troopers and all the different kinds of troopers. Transformers does the same thing too. And it's just a way to, you know, get new, new kind of characters out there. And I think, I think the teams know that you can't like do a whole wave of repaints. Like you can do them strategically like, in a wave or if, or if it's to your point about exclusives, if it's an exclusive program, you can kind of um, go down that avenue because it's a little bit of a smaller offering. You know in that in that respect so yeah that kind of all factors into
0: it speaking of like the toy biz era you know one of the things i remember so much was always wanting the girl figures or you know having to hunt down storm and rogue and phoenix when she finally got and for so many years man like you either had lines or waves excuse me with no female characters or with just one what what has that shift been like for you guys? Because you guys put so many female figures in your uh, waves and, and we love them. I, I will buy all of them. And I'm just curious from an industry standpoint, like who, who set the bar for that? How has it evolved? And what are your general thoughts on that?
2: So I think in Marvel and particularly X-Men, even more so, you know, um, there's just a lot of strong, you know, female characters and great ones and fan favorites so that's kind of why we are able to draw on that and, and release more figures now. I can't speak to, you know, the the lack of uh, fi- figures back in the toy biz days necessarily, um, but just kind of nowadays, that is something that's on our minds. And, um, you know, we try to get as many uh, characters in there and, and we even make a little bit of a differentiation for X-Men. We'll be like, Wolverine is, you know, an A character. And then we'll be like, rogue and storm are also a characters even though they're you know female characters and some people might not understand that but then we kind of factor that into it so we you know make waving decisions uh there was a spider-man wave year a couple of years back that was the lizard build a figure wave uh and i made the call to two up Gwenpool, uh, yes. because I, I thought she was so fun yeah she had all these accessories she had a penguin backpack she had like a a heart like two heart hands she had a cell phone and a, like a like a peace sign to take so like it was such a fun figure um and then some of the fans you know would joke oh there's like all oh, the, the pegs are filled with pools." but like even even given how that turned out like i don't i don't regret doing that because i kind of stand by that figure and i wanted her to to do well and maybe she didn't um sell through as much but i still think it's it's a super fun figure
1: it is a super fun figure, and I love that you eventually made sure and include her her pet uh, shark dog in uh, the Deadpool wave this year. Little 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 things like that really are what make this hobby so so wonderful for for big fans like us. Yeah, I love that Gwenpool figure. I live in New York, man. Like there was no
0: Gwenpool like warming the pegs or anything. Only Dazzler.
1: <laughs> so
0: mean, Ryan. I wanted to ask you. Because now you work in marketing for Hasbro, for for these X-Men figures. And when I was growing up, I remember going to True and seeing the X-Men movie figures on display. This massive retail push. And I'm just curious, as a marketing person at Hasbro what was did you ever see that do you dream of doing something like that like it was the biggest push for x-men figures i had ever seen
2: tru it was really sad when they went away and um them more so than any other retailer they would do those big movie statements and that would even continue like through through their kind of demise they would still have that section like right when you walk in right you would Mm -hmm. all the were such that it was like a big u-shape so you would walk in and then you would kind of make that one big turn and the action figures were never right there so you had to kind of go around but you would see that big display up front and even in like 2016 2017 for various movies marvel films star wars films like we would plan to have that big section but i'm just thinking back to your question about the year 2000 for the x-men i I definitely remember that and i have some some of the figures that i've picked up over the years i have a over there uh, in the wheelchair and i remember that toad figure for some reason like i always carry that around the one with the really long yeah uh, kind of take in and out yeah that was a really that was a really fun line um the packaging was funny with that big red x it's like a very tall package so it really stands out and they all had i think they called it like a display stand but it was like uh it's kind of a thin piece of (laughs) plastic that could easily get damaged um but yeah those were those were the awesome days and it's harder to get that now at a Walmart and a target. They, they do have end caps as well. And we do try to plan for, you know, different movies, but it's never, it's never going to be the same. Unfortunately, um, those are, those are bygone days.
0: No, oh, did you, so you were collecting as a kid, you, you got the the movie figures. Did you stop collecting and then come back with legends? Like so many people, did you start collecting Marvel legends when they first came, came out?
2: So um, I'm trying to think back. So legends came out around, came out in 2002, but I didn't, I wasn't like in on the ground floor of six inch legends. Um, I was still in college at the time. And so when you're, you know, when you're in a dorm, I think there's not enough, there's not as much like space and stuff. And you're always kind of going back and forth. Like I I went to school, um, like 45 minutes from home. So I went back and forth kind of a lot. So I was more just in, that was, that was actually my heaviest like comic, reading phase from like 2001 to 2005. And um, like that was when in the window of like the astonishing X-Men um, yeah. and when Colossus came back and all of that. Um, so no, to answer your question, I didn't kind of latch onto legends right away. I remember kind of periodically um, going after several figures here and there. In, I was in New York um, around 2005, 2006 time and uh, uh there were stores like, you know, there was still KB back then. There was
0: Jim It's
2: like huge store. Uh, and, and then they kind of moved to a much smaller location. I don't even know if they're still around, but- I don't think
0: they are. They are. I was they're looking there. for them the other
2: day. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, but yeah, and then I was probably like late 2000s, uh, I was into the Marvel Universe line, the three and three quarter line, which was pan Marvel, but they had tons of X-Men characters as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. Really into that and then when legend then Hasbro got the legends business uh and has some kind of like looking back now kind of like weird weird looking legends and the, the team you know is, is very proud of the progress that they have made over the years um <laughs> to legends probably in the 2013 time frame when they moved to that line look of the uh blister card with like the comic art on top yeah, yeah. um like the hope summers like the Terrax wave like i remember buying that like at retail and, and getting the return
0: two... of marvel legends that was return
2: wild. i wanted i wanted one in one out so i had one hope out and then one still in pack <laughs> and yeah so that's that's probably been my my collecting trajectory i've kind of like i'm clearly more into toys now i have access to a lot of them so now my con i need to like remind myself to get back into comics but you know 20 years ago, it was the flip side of it where I was probably a little more into comics and toys. It's
1: expensive to be into both, let me tell yeah. you.
0: <laughs> so one of the things that Toy Biz did and they eventually did away with were chase figures. And that frustrated so many of us when we were you know, collecting legends. And I'm just curious, from your perspective as a marketer, what was the purpose of Chase Figures? Why did they ultimately tank? Did you think there was some kind of utility there? I'm I just, I, I'm curious for like an official stance on Chase Figures. So, why I when, when I came on board, that was
2: already shutting down, and just thinking about it in terms of today. I mean, a lot of companies still do Chase Figures. We don't because it creates a lot of, it can create a negative consumer experience both ways because you know, a bunch of people aren't gonna be able to get what they want. And then also in this increasing age of e-commerce, there's kind of very strict rules actually about when you put something up, like the consumer needs to see what they're getting. So when you start throwing in random uh, wrenches into that plan, it can kind of create a bunch of downstream problems. So that's why we like from a system standpoint, can't do chase figures. I don't know that I, as a fan was against them because I, I wasn't a completist and I didn't need to have the gold iron man. So yeah, I thought it was kind of cool on, on some level, but um, I, I, I do feel for those people, for those completionists, or if it's like, for some reason, if that's, if the chase version is is your version and it's that much harder for you to get, like, that's not a, that's not a good
1: feeling. Yeah. I just remember my, my I, I used to hate chase figures, but there was one particular occasion. It was when, It was around 2006, I think, when when Walmart was doing like a best of Marvel Legends wave and they were re-releasing people like Phoenix and Juggernaut and Ghost Rider and like all these folks. And they had like a case. It was a whole chase case. And I was at Walmart at two in the morning. I found a whole chase case. I got Dark Phoenix, phasing Ghost Rider, phasing Vision. I like hit the jackpot. So my opinion on chases kind of changed after that. But in general, I don't I don't know anyone who is too big of a fan of them. So I, I don't think they're really all that missed. But from the live streams and from some interviews of yours that you've done that the 1992 Impel X men trading cards, um, you mentioned it earlier, they were a huge part of your of your X fandom. Um, they're a huge part of my fandom. They're a huge part of day springs. It, it, it really sparked the interest for a lot of fans.
2: Yeah, and I, I I have my props here ready to go. So these are, you know, some of my some of my. Oh big- my
0: god!
2: And I always say it's like, I'm, it's not because of me necessarily, but like the prices for these in recent years have have gone crazy. So I don't know if a lot of people are trying to tap into the sec- um their nostalgia in terms of getting like sealed boxes, like they're kind of, like they're they're harder to get nowadays. But yeah, that was that was so important to me in terms of learning about the characters and just I was into trading cards of things I didn't even know like I collected hockey cards and I had like I had no idea about anything about hockey it was just something about that form but then for x-men about it also being something I knew about and cared about and had toys on the side and was reading comics like it was just it was crazy and then you know all the little trivia facts and the power rating so what I love about the 92 series uh is the little you know, the power ratings. And I loved, you know, like fight, like characters with high fighting ability. It was like my thing. So, um, and that, and I, and I have a bone to pick too because like the gambit trading card ratings were always like really like low, like these powerhouses like Wolverine who are off the charts and things like that. But um yeah, I talked about it on another thing, but uh, that's why when we did this Deadpool retro carded figure working with the designer, he indulged me. And that's why we got the, the Deadpool trading card back. It's the horizontal kind of orientation, which yeah. is it's like a vertical card. Uh, it was a vertical layout, but everything is exactly the same as it was in the impulse in the impel series. It's card number 43. It's got all the same metrics and even readings. I was very, very um, particular about him needing to have every single thing match, uh, the original. So that's kind of how our, our love of trading cards gets infused into the actual products.
0: Well, so you also did that for the legendary 80th anniversary of Polaris and Havoc two pack with, with 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 the trading cards. We do. I, got here. I got it
2: I got them. I got them right down here. Yeah. But
0: let's see that.
1: I have like three like in my closet.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, god. I, I
1: am obsessed. I, that is one of the best things you guys have ever released. We love it is just that.
0: perfect. So we did our top 10 Marvel Legends list because that Polaris is perfect. And no one put her on their top 10 list for 2019, and that is sacrilegious.
2: That was, that was pretty rough. I don't know. 19 was a big year as well for, for X-Men. Uh, it's always kind of crowded. Um, but yeah, that was a fun figure to do. We had, we had Strong Guy this year. Was he on my? Yeah, he was like one of my top 10. Um, Love putting him out. We know fans are clamoring for a proper... Wolf Spain, and not just a. Uh, <laughs> you know that question was coming. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're we're aware. We're definitely <laughs> aware. It's hard though, because like to do those characters that have like you know furry arms and, and legs and stuff like that's hard because the reuse is is more limited. But
1: I mean, three figures off the top of my head: Wolf Spain, Feral Tigra. Yep. You got your money. You got it. You, you you've made your investment right there. Take I our think money, their Ryan. Are
2: different. Don't they have like, aren't there tail situations kind of?
1: Well, yeah. Wolfsbane doesn't have the tail, but 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 Tigra and Feral both do. So, like, you know, maybe <laughs> you can you can reconfigure it. I, I have faith in you guys because we were if talking you about get him
0: talking about Wolfsbane. That's it. He just loses himself. I'm I know. Sorry, I know. I'm going to
1: apologize for us right now, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk so, about Wolfsbane or Doug Ramsey. Oh, gosh. I mean, we could do it all day, but. Um, so X-Men trading cards, definitely, you know, as we've mentioned, they were all the rage in the, the early to mid nineties. And I was super into the, the 93 skybox X-Men series day springs all about the, the 94 Fleer ultra. Did you, did you collect any of those, those later series? Do you have any other favorite X-Men card series?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm very familiar with all of those. So 92, 93 skybox, and then you had 94 was the first year of Fleer ultra, uh, and I think that continued for a while, but I think 94, 95 were the sweet spot X-Men years for me. And then if you, ha- you have X-Men cards in other series as well, from going back to the Marvel Universe Series 1 from 1990. So there was like a bunch of, a bunch of years of Marvel Universe, but I think the, three, I think the first three were, were the key for me. Um, the, the fourth one started to get kind of a little weird, uh, in my opinion. That was the one with uh, Silver Surfer on the box, on the box front. Oh yeah. ninety nine holograms, which were red holograms, which I don't think were as, were as fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, those probably up to probably like the mid nineties and you had things like the flare the higher end product, the flare, the Marvel masterpieces um, as well. So all of those, I love them, I love them immensely. And I pretty much have all of them sealed to at least like one box of everything I want to say.
0: That's insane, man. And are those your original ones or did you hunt them down on the internet?
2: No, I hunted them down after I do have one binder. That's like my binder from growing up where I would take the nine pocket pages and cram like seven cards into, <laughs> you know, one holder there. And it's, that's not the way to do it right. Clearly, but um, going back. I have fun um, opening some boxes and just like making sets just for fun. Not because I need them, but it's just, it brings me back. And then I, you know, I keep a bunch of products sealed as well. I'm on, as you guys may know, right. The 92 series allegedly uh, has these Jim Jim Lee autographs inside that also kind of stamped. Uh, I've actually, I've never seen one in real life. There's, I can't find a YouTube video of someone opening it. They're like never on eBay, like the legit ones. I might've seen it a couple of times, but um, I wonder if I have it in me one day just to crack all my boxes and just go on the hunt. For a, a Jim Lee autograph, I don't, I don't know what the numbers were, so I don't know the odds. But
1: well, I'll buy some of your extras if you, <laughs> if you find <laughs> up with any. You can just send them to us. <laughs> it's like everyone for Christmas. You get
2: a complete set of 1992 X Men uh, cards. That's a thoughtful gift,
0: but, but Ryan, Ryan, we're talking about the trading cards. We're we're not talking about one of the biggest things in the trading cards, which is the spring break ones. <laughs> what <laughs> did you what What did you think of the spring break ones? And look, if you're going to announce a weenie roasting Wolverine, we will let you right now. I, I love that series. That was in, that was
2: one of the Fleer inserts. Um, I think, um, yeah, they were kind of silly, but one of those things i enjoy and i think a lot of people did in reading the x-men books was just seeing them you know like having barbecues and like playing playing baseball and basketball just kind of doing like regular kind of people stuff so yeah that was a fun look for the x-men um you also and had a question too uh not to scoop you but you asked about like the halloween uh, mm-hmm. series as well that i'm less a fan of just partially because that series of cards isn't isn't higher up on my list and that's a little bit weirder but like i definitely remember there were comics where they were like in their swimsuits hanging out. And so I feel like those cards were a perfect reflection of that.
0: Look, if you're going to give us Cyclops as Elvis, like, yeah, I, we know he may not be your favorite. You can h- totally hate by giving us that. I will
1: get that. <laughs> we'll buy those in bulk. We'll buy them. So, Ryan, now that we've covered some of the some of the hooks that lured you into the world of X Men, I wanna I wanna play a quick little game that sort of blends uh, nostalgia for toy figures and X Men trading cards with where we are with Marvel Legends today. Uh, are you down? I am. Let's let's go. Okay. All right, perfect. So our game is called Excellent or Excluded. And what I'm gonna do uh, is we're going to show you five characters from the Impel trading card series and five characters from the Toy Biz uh, five inch line that we want you to tell us whether or not you personally think this figure would be an excellent choice for Marvel Legends or if they should be excluded from consideration. So are you ready? Ready. All right, so our first character from the trading cards is Siren.
2: Yeah, I would love to do that figure. We haven't, we haven't gotten to it. It's a little bit tricky to do the capes correctly um, like that. Uh, I have been told and reminded repeatedly by our engineer that these types of capes need to plug into the arms and not just dangle from the wrists, making the engineering a little bit more challenging to do. But yeah, uh, that's a great look and to complete that, that X-Force team. Uh, we need her
0: no okay. argument here so our next one is saturn nine the goddess of ten of swords <laughs> and other world of course
2: oh so yeah I'm, i mean i'm not up to date on on the ten of Swords, so i don't know what she has to role she plays in that but um yeah i don't know much about this character personally so i would say is it exclude is that the category yes yeah. okay so yeah i would say that and too she was one of like the the trading cards, the villain trading cards that you were like not, or me, I was not happy to pull.
0: You know? Oh yeah. You're like, give who's me, this Emma Frost? Who's this discount Emma Frost?
2: Right. I know. Or it's like, you know, give me, give me Emma, give me uh, uh apocalypse, Magneto, Sabertooth uh, instead.
1: I feel you. I feel you. Moving on to the next one we mentioned earlier, we have Feral. Oh so, yeah, I would say
2: excellent. And yeah, you know, we've had those discussions too of like, is there a way to do those at least, Feral and Wolfsbane being both X-Men. Um, is there a way to, to get those cleverly? And, and we're working on it still, but uh, yeah, she's important too for, for the X-Force, for the classic kind of X-Force team.
0: All right, our next one is Banshee.
1: Oh, Banshee. Specifically X-Suit Banshee. Yeah, I think if you're going to
2: do a version, you would do this one. I would, say, I would say excellent, although I know that Banshee is a sensitive subject for Dwight. Uh, <laughs> can't tell if he's serious or not. He said... He said one time uh, in an interview, he was like, "Banshee was the first Marvel Legends figure I ever made, and and you know, he, no one like like people don't regard that very highly anymore." And he said, "So Banshee will be the last figure <gasps> I've ever made." And so I said, "Dwight, we can never lose you." So I'm sorry, fans, we'll never get a Banshee. I don't know if he softened his stance on that, um, but yeah, I'd love to see this this suit.
1: We'll petition him. We we we're not gonna let him leave and we're not gonna go without our ex our suit banshee either.
0: And and Dwight so our- Dwight, oh. we loved it with his head going back. That was great technology for the figure. Don't beat yourself up on that.
1: <laughs> Final one, uh <laughs> another kind of rando from from that time period. We have Gate Crasher. Yeah, I would say I would say exclude on this one. All it's, of fandom it's, is it's applauding our fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I intentionally picked some of the the oddball characters here, the the strange inclusions, just to sort of, you know, gauge where where your head's at on these these super deep cuts. So moving on to the toy biz characters that we want to know if you would exclude or are excellent. Yeah. So Bonebreaker. Yeah. This is
2: this is an excellent figure. It's hilarious. Is it a vehicle skewed <laughs> by itself? Is it a build-a-figure? Is it something else? We've got to find a way to do it. And I, I will say that there is another member of the Legends team who is a big fan of this. And I may or may not have got that team member, the Toy Biz uh, Bonebreaker, when I was at a convention as just a fun president. It's still in their office. So
1: maybe oh, so kind. we're we're definitely big fans of of uh Bone Breaker at least I'm I'm definitely a big fan. I'm a, a fan of the the Reavers in general and I was absolutely uh stoked to get sort of that that two in one skullbuster figure last year. So I think I was one of the biggest you know the biggest champions for that. I loved that. I actually have the 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 bonus Reese head fits really well on uh one of the GI Joe figures. Um, that you guys, well, not you, but you know Hasbro released, so I, I love those little put together yourself figures, but uh, that's another tangent. Um, the next character we have animated series morph
2: yeah this this is a great this is a great look this is definitely definitely excellent. Um, a lot of reuse potential uh, and it would be easy to do that gimmick of the of the heads because that's like that's what legends like toy biz, that was an uncommon thing to have different heads and yeah. you know, figures at different arms, but um, I think we could do it well. And, you know, we've heard fans and we've had a lot of the similar discussions on, hey, wouldn't this be great on a retro card? Yeah, it would. So may- maybe someday we'll see them. I was really happy to get Morph in the first AOA wave this year. I was a big um, Exiles fan. Yeah. I believe the Exile series with Morph and Blink and Mimic and all those guys was like in that four year window when I was in college. So I, I probably, collected and read the first 20 or however many issues like all the way through. Um, so I, I really liked the AOA morph.
1: I, I am a huge, 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 huge fan uh, of Exiles. And I sort of have always uh, assumed that that Blink and, and Morph are, are the only two that, that would ever be on Hasbro's radar. So I, I, you know, I'm not inferring anything from what you've said, but just the fact that you're familiar with that cast makes me feel Super good, and and I think uh you know if you have a hard if if morph is a hard sell, you could just make this a Wolverine variant and pack in a morph head. (laughs) Easy to do,
0: right there.
2: You have to have the dark morph. That like you got it. Yeah,
1: with the with the bags under his eyes.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: you have. So our next figure, you actually mentioned him earlier. He's one of my favorites. Made my uh, most wanted build a figure last year. We have random.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. 100% excellent. I was showing him off. Um, he's just so cool. He's so cool. He's badass. He's with the chaps,
1: please. <laughs> it's ridiculous. With the chaps. bandana And like everything. Yeah, kind of thought he might be be a long shot after all these years. But but knowing that you're such a fan of these these 90s looks, I always kind of had my yeah. fingers crossed. So uh, speaking of 90s looks, the next was actually my number one figure uh, that I want for this year. That would be Richter in his Uh, x-force outfit
2: so for this so yes i would say excellent as well i am not personally as as big a fan of this but i i recognize his importance and how he's never had a legends figure and he's core to that x-force team so um a lot of people like you uh flinkman like want really want him and so hopefully we can we can make that happen
1: i don't know that i think he has such a fun look wind up right feature didn't he have like a wind up a, ready a earthquake, to do the earthquake powers.
2: powers? Yeah. I don't know that we can put that into legends, but we can make a pretty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was um, one of my very favorite of all of those action f- features. It was so representative of like what he actually did. I thought whoever came up with that is, is a genius. So we do have one last one, one, which is Slayback. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I, I love that. I love that character. Um,
2: you could do. We do a lot of of alternate arm pieces for for characters like Kamala Khan and you know um, Mr. Fantastic. So I don't know that it would be the the slide out action feature, but we could definitely include some alternate arms in there. And um, he would
1: be a fun character to do. Our slayback stands are gonna freak out over that one. That's we are sure. slayback stands for sure. <laughs> so we do have one last. We're, we're selfish, selfish people, and we want to get some quick feels on two of our favorite characters, sort of from the the modern House of X era. So my pick would be M with penance swap parts.
2: Yeah, we've. I think we've had discussions about this as well. Think I think there was a joke of like because M is on the list of uh of you know the top wanted X Men characters, but we were
1: joking like, what if we just gave fans a penance first, like just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad. I would take. I'm I'm wearing a Generation X T shirt by our dear friend uh, Sergio right now, and I, so I would obviously take a, a penance figure. But for me, I think it would be such a home run to 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 bring out both at the same time. She's able to do both now. So like and you guys already actually have uh y'all did that that scream the the female symbiote uh she oh, actually yeah. has hands that are that are perfect for for penance so um you know I'm I'm gonna push that one all day personally <laughs> but I know that uh day spring has one as well. I do so this character Ryan
0: I never really thought much about until he was resurrected in the Necrotia arc. And now he's back and he's front and center in House of M, which is Mr. Doug Ramsey. And I love him with the warlock sword. So what do you think? Excellent or exclude? I would say exclude,
2: but only for the reason that I feel like we need a, like the Danny Moonstar equivalent uh, for, for male figures. So that would, okay. that us off on uh, cypher cannonball. Okay spot, at least, I think. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we would do that before this version, especially if this is the newer version from the uh, X of Swords, but it's a cool
1: look, definitely. Yeah.
0: My heart stopped there for a second when you said exclude, because I thought it was a Doug Ramsey attack, and I was like, oh my god, my stan is going to come out. Don't, don't be a stan right now. But no, I'm. we talked about this on our top ten list, which was we would love to see the male equivalent to Danny Moonstar, although Ryan... I can't go to Walgreens anymore. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> you can't.
2: <laughs> I can't do I, I, Walgreens. I, that's right. You were telling that story of uh, stop the car,
0: you Dude. know. So I got hired. I w- I was doing a tour with uh, some pretty big uh, people in in LA, and they were driving me to the hotel. I was like, "Oh, that's a Walgreens! Like, I need Danny Moonstar! Like, stop this car right now! I need to get toothpaste because I didn't want to say I was getting legends." And they're like, "No, oh, no, don't worry. The concierge at the hotel, like, they'll have toothpaste. You can just have them send them up." I'm like, "No, you don't understand. I have specific <laughs> toothpaste." And <laughs> like, I ran in looking for Danny, which was. Well, which was a lot of fun. I'm being facetious. We love, we love hunting for these. Figures.
1: We will take them however they come.
0: However, dude, if you built it, we will come. Exactly. Do you, wanna, do you guys want to know
1: a, a fun
2: fact about the Danny Moonstar figure? Yes. Please. So that one came with, that was Danny Moonstar, obviously. So it's two alt heads, right? It was Wolfsbane and Karma. Yeah. Uh, so there was actually a third head in there proposed uh, for that would you care to venture a guess on or magma is it is it magma it is Good ah, you cut magma oh. we did it, w- it would have been like kind of a different like kind of like material um would, would need to have been that kind of uh translucent plastic so we, we thought there was enough still in there um for it so i don't know maybe in the future she'll be one of those kind of like random Lalandra or, you know, throw in heads at some, at some point. I
1: mean, I, I would love that. And and I'm a huge Magma fan. And in the meantime, we have the the binary uh, Brie Larson head from Captain yeah. Marvel. She's my my current Magma stand-in. But I'll take an official. I'll take an official. Brie Larson is uh, just so talented. She can be Carol Danvers and Magma. <laughs> she can play guitar
0: and she can sing. She you- plays Animal Crossing. <laughs> We love so,
1: so uh you know i i appreciate you taking the time to to go through that that game with us that was very exciting you gave some some excellent uh answers <laughs> i should say um, but we definitely, you know, want to touch on, you know, what it's like to actually work at Hasbro. Um, I know that you didn't start with a Marvel brand, but did when you got hired at Hasbro in general, did did everyone know you were such a huge fanboy?
2: I mean, I think I, I think I talked about it probably in the interviews. I, I was in business school and trying to do the whole recruiting. I wanted to do marketing and brand management in particular. And um, it didn't dawn on me until I was actually like in business school going sitting through these like company presentations. Where it was like, oh, you could actually do this job function for a toy company, like that's crazy. So I, I really set out my goal to to be in in the toy industry and did a couple of internships here and there. I went to school out in LA, so um, you know I did a little a little stint at Spin Master, um, working on the Monsters University Pixar line that they had. That the master license yeah. for that. I'm um, going back a ways now, but um, yeah, uh, through through various intern internships I had, I ended up at. At Hasbro in Rhode Island I'm originally from Massachusetts so it was like nice to kind of go back home to New England um, and working on Monopoly which was a lot of fun it's, it's a brand that you know has such longevity it's over over 80 years old so I got to be kind of like a Monopoly expert and all the the and they and since, since I left Monopoly they, they've increased tenfold in the kinds of innovations they're doing but um, yeah I would talk about how I, I'm a big fan and it just so happens that the th- that the three like biggest collecting passions of mine would be Marvel, Transformers, and Magic: The Gathering. All of three which are owned by Hasbro. It just like works out that way, which is kind of funny. Um, so yeah, I talked about that in the interviews, and uh, in the course of working on Monopoly, uh, I spoke with someone and probably mentioned that I was a big, you know, fanboy for for and collected toys, and they remembered that. And when there was an opening on the Marvel team, I got an email one day just being like, Hey, you're a Marvel. Like I remember you, that you said you were a Marvel fan. I might have an, a, a, an opening soon. Like, do you want to just grab coffee or something? And that just kind of snowballed and it ended up the it ended up so that the role that was open was on harsh in part to manage the legends business, the fan business, as opposed to a bunch of the various kid lines, which are important as well. And we have a bunch of other, you know, great colleagues who handle that. But, um, Yeah, so I kind of got right, I was very lucky to get into Legends right as things were kind of going crazy because 2014 was the first year, right, that we moved to the new line look and started doing movie Legends figures for the Black Widow, or sorry, the Captain America, Winter Soldier, um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Those were all 2014 films. And then we just had huge spikes in terms of number of items that we did for 2015, Age of Ultron, which was a huge movie year. Yeah. And Then 2016 as well, which was Captain America: Civil War, which was which was kind of like an Avengers movie, as well. and then it's just been like kind of a straight shot upward since then. Um, getting to do a lot of movie stuff, but then a lot of comic stuff. You know, we had Marvel 80 Years, we had Movie X Men this year, so it's just been kind of nonstop, crazy, and it's it's I've been very lucky to to be in the right place at the right time, um, and also have a personal background that over time, you know, people have, have respected a little bit and they kind of, it's like, it's genuine. So they know um, that I care. And that things like those fan first Fridays or things like planning for conventions, doing those panel presentations with throwing in, you know, little Easter eggs or jokes or things that I know that are going to like get a rise out of fans, um, joking about cannonball, not having legs, you know, the last <laughs> Comic Con, like I live for that stuff too. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good perspective, you know, it's a job like anything else, but, um, you know, I love it. And, and I, I think there's that saying, right. Where, um, they say, if you love your job, then you will never work a day in your life. Yeah, yeah. I kind of take a spin on that because I definitely love this, but I definitely also work too. And I'm, I'm proud of it because when you get to see these items come to fruition and they're selling great and the fan response is great and we're getting good feedback. Um, Online, it kind of all validates what we what we put into it.
1: I do want to like touch on one thing that you that you brought up. I wasn't going to bring it up, but you brought up Cannibal's legs. And <laughs> I just want to let you know that I am Team Blast Effect all the way. Wait, what, Same. what Same. else I, I do like you want your effect. Cannibal
0: figure to do? Yeah, I love the Blast Effect. Don't don't let those haters come at you.
1: We are Thank Team you. Blast Effect.
2: That that's important to me. Yeah, I was. We had to vote on that because it had to be one way or the other. And yeah, I was firmly in the let's do something new. Um, the toy biz figure was hilarious. It was just it was with him with his legs with like a little catapult.
0: Yeah, the the same one they would use for Phoenix.
2: Yeah, and I think it was the, they did that for like an Invisible Woman figure too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, we've had a lot of fun, a lot of fun with that. Um, and we, we teased on the last live stream that we will be, you will have legs for your Cannonball figure one way or, or another. Yeah. Um, so speculate away on, on how you think that will be coming out, but uh, it will be at some point next year. Well, That's awesome. we're That's
1: really awesome. I'm sure many people are freaking out over that. Yeah,
0: but you know, you said something that was really interesting, Ryan, which is, you know, if you enjoy your job, you're not going to work a day in your life. And I think when I was watching the Six One Six docu series, I turned to my husband and I was like, man, these Hasbro people. Like they just look like they are enjoying their jobs. And then it's coupled with how you guys manage your fan first Fridays. What was it like filming the docu series that's on Disney plus you, you guys look like you're having such a great time and it just shines through.
2: We were. Yeah. So Jesse Falcon at Marvel, um, came to us and said, Hey, by the way, you know, isn't they're doing this, uh, Disney Plus Documentary Series, like, can you talk to someone about this? And kind of no one, (laughs) I don't think anyone was eager for more work to do, uh, but I just kind of took it on and then was talking with the associate producers on what they were trying to do uh, with the theme. And, you know, the the thing that really got me was they said, we want to really show people who are, like, passionate about stuff and who, like, this is their dream job. And when they said that, I was like, all right, well, so now I'm going to have to campaign for myself to be in this, not that I... (laughs) did not necessarily um but it was a lot of work to do honestly and um with these types of things you're never sure how it's going to turn out they filmed probably like hours of footage just for to, to for someone to make a decision to edit the few minutes that they did so um i'm thankful that we were in it and all three of us i think you know had our little moments and um it was super fun they came to new york toy fair and filmed the whole thing you saw like three seconds of it and a little bit of the showroom in the episode um, but it was really fun. It was a great crew. It exposed me to production on that scale because I had done like, you know, Hasbro marketing assets where you're on a set with a director and, and a model, who you know, to, to do whatever, yeah. like a, a professional, like movie film crew with all the people coming in and the lights and the equipment. So I learned a lot on how things are done too. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really fun. It was really gratifying. And, um, you know, the, the morning that it came out, I was watching it on my phone, you know, oh, let me like put it up. All the episodes are here. Let me load it. It goes. And then as it starts, like the first thing that happens is I hear my, my own voice and I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, this is not, wait, you out. didn't
0: see, you didn't see a cut of it before.
2: No, we hadn't. Um, Jesse at Marvel had seen it and was like, yeah, it came out great. You know, you guys are awesome in it. So that gave us a little bit of confidence, but we kind of didn't know really. And, um, it was, it was kind of fitting how uh, for the Hasbro team, like I, I was in the very beginning of it. And then Dwight actually is at the very end. So it's yeah. a Hasbro bookended episode, whether intentional or not, but we'll take, we'll take credit for it, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, I, I loved, I love seeing Laura on there too, because something we've talked about, at least with my husband, I don't know if you and I, Flink, have talked about it, the pain apps. Just like the paint you guys have been using on these figures recently. I mean, we thought like you guys stepped up your game and it was just like, boom, like overnight.
2: Yeah, they're, they're so talented and they have to, they had to do every figure like that. Every single figure in the line, <sighs> right? Um, we talked about it a little during PulseCon, how we have now partially due to the pandemic, but also the technology was just trending this way. We almost for Legends exclusively do now digital paint masters. So all the artists who, for years, have honed their craft at physically painting things now had to learn how to do it all digitally, which is just a whole nother like kind of skill set, and speaks to how talented that um, that whole crew is. And so, you know, there there is still hand painting for various projects, um, but the core six-inch legends business is now almost exclusively like done digitally. So it was funny how the documentary showed kind of the old way of doing it, but that's kind of I got you. Heritage of it and and at its purest form.
1: One of the, the moments that I actually really loved uh, about your involvement in, in 616 is the part where you said that uh, your wife tells you every night that when you're brushing your teeth, you go wander off and, and you look at your your toys and dude, same, same. My partner told me the exact same thing. We watched it when we were on the couch and he looked at me. He was like, you do that. You do that every single night and I've, I've noticed it I do and I don't I don't know what it is man but there's like something so oddly calming at the end of the day just like going in and checking in on your friends
2: that's right that was actually in our old like in our older house where we had um a guest room that wasn't being used so that was my toy room so it, it was like it was on the same floor now my my workspace in the toy room is on the third floor so it's a bit harder just to like come up here for no reason. Although I'm sitting here like throughout for eight hours a day, nine hours yeah. a day. But um, but yeah, so that was in, in the older house and I would. And I didn't even know I was doing it until she kind of busted me up on it one time.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, after I got called out on it, I was like, I've been thinking back, like, okay, I, I, I'm obviously doing it in the house I'm in now. Did I do it in the last place? Like, yes, of course I did. And I, I can like trace it back to college at this point. I have no idea. Uh, where that, that habit came from. Um, but something else, one more thing about, about 616 is we actually got to see you uh, merchandising the shelves at, at, at toy fair. And I've been to uh, San Diego comic-con several times and the Hasbro booth always has that massive battle scene centerpiece with legends. Is, is that you as well? Because that, that feels like a total dream job. That, is a team
2: effort, so it is definitely led by Dwight and Tony, um, who had been doing it for years. But then, since I c- came on board, you know, it's such a big undertaking to do. It's like two full days of setup. Um, when we ship things there, the diorama is is built up like the piece, the set pieces, but all the figures are just in these dump bins underneath because you couldn't position them and, ha- and ship it from Rhode Island to San Diego. Everything would just get um, would fall apart. So yeah, it's a lot of frantic hot gluing. And um, it's, it allows marketers to get in on some of the fun too. And, uh, you know, I can go back to the various dioramas and be like, Oh, those figures, like I pose those ones. And then, and comes by and they're like, Oh, look at Daredevil, like kicking that guy that way. And it's like, Oh, I I posed that one out. It's it's really fun. Um, Yeah, that's, unfortunately, we didn't get to do that uh, this past year. But that's always a super uh, undertaking. And We've gone back and forth because one year we did it all MCU because that was the year of the Marvel Studios first 10 years. And then the following year was all comic because that was Marvel 80 years. And you know we love getting getting the X-Men in yeah. there. Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, awesome.
1: Awesome. I mean, that's definitely one of my, my favorite uh, pieces in the, in the Hasbro booth. I always love coming by uh, and checking out what's going on in there. Um, but so, you know, looking ahead to, to events like Toy Fair and, and Comic-Con, obviously the outlook uh, on getting back to normal with things like that's currently uh, not so great. But um, as we've referenced many times through, throughout this interview, Hasbro has done like a really good job shifting the hype and the, the sort of momentum uh, you would get out of conventions into things like PulseCon and, and live streams. Um, what are sort of your feelings on on conventions versus versus live streams? Do you think that we'll see like a permanent shift going forward or are you guys kind of all excited to to get back to toy fair and conventions?
2: Yeah, so when this whole start when this whole thing started, it was kind of like man I can't wait to get back to conventions instead of doing this but I think the pulse team has really tapped into something um, and fans you know appreciate this. Um, I've heard feedback where it's like we it's almost preferable in one way to get periodic every month or so, right. Versus well this one huge, like miss it. And you, and you kind of feel left out or it kind of gets washed up in all this other news. So I think we will try to do both in the future. I don't like when assuming the world kind of gets back and we do conventions, like I, I don't think that would make us want to not do any kind of live streams at all, because we've kind of built up that, that familiarity with it. And the first couple of times was maybe a little rougher, but now we've, we've done maybe like a half dozen or more. And so they, they kind of come more naturally and we enjoy doing them. And um, as long as the fans keep keep tuning in, we'll, we'll want to keep it up.
0: I mean, we dropped what we were doing. My husband and I were in Boston when you did your first like fan stream and we stopped what we were doing just to watch you all. Well, Ryan, we are in the home stretch of questions and our last phase of questions. Is all about Marvel Legends, and I'm going to start off with like just a really basic question here, which is why do you think what what, what makes Marvel Legends so special?
2: I think it's it's a line that has been around for so long. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary, um, going back to the Toy Biz days, and even, even even like Toy Biz has its own history for even going back to the 90s, right? And all yeah. that we talked about from the five inch figures and others. Um, so I think it's. You know, a lot of us who have been there from the beginning or, you know, earlier on, still going strong, I think from kind of like the businessy side of it, right, where we're eager to get new fans as well. The movies have brought in this whole generation of, of younger fans. And I think we're to the point now where people my age and older, like are trying to get their, their kids hooked on it because we still love the stuff and we want, you know, our kids to be in love as well. Um, so that's, uh, the, those are some of the reasons I think Marvel Legends resonates um, so well. And I think it's, it also goes back to just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon, who birthed the whole line back in the day and having yeah. his input be that guiding light. And then Dwight and the team, I, I'm the, like, Dan is actually the newest member of the <laughs> team, but for, for the longest time I was, um, because Dwight and Tony and Ben, who does our packages and our engineer, like they have all been on Marvel for since Hasbro started working on Marvel. So, you know, well over uh, 10 years now, like, right. So um, all all of those kind of factored in and there's so much more to do because whether it's all these classic characters that still need to be done or the new entertainment coming out, there's, we're never like lacking, right, for inspiration.
0: I worked at Marvel in 2006 when the license was shifting over and Jesse Falcon was the man around the office. Everyone was always like, did you see Jesse? I think he used to do standup. Is, am I remembering? Or he was like, he gave some like VH1 like commentary on things, but everyone loved Jesse. One of the, the questions I have for you about Marvel Legends that most fans always seem to have is the character selection process. And I'm curious about it from just a business standpoint, like, how do you go about selecting characters for the waves and and who's the chief decision-maker on that?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I've kind of talked about this a little bit before too, but it's uh, and something I, I would try to explain to fans um, mm-hmm. if they have any, uh, you know, gripes with us is that it's not like any one thing. It's a lot of mm-hmm. priorities from our perspective. You know, we are Hasbro, so we are trying to, Make profitable toys and sell as many of them as possible yeah. what decisions go into that? then you've got another you know factor from from Jesse and what he like what Marvel thinks will sell well sometimes we don't agree necessarily on what is the, the best thing to do and then there's also, they also have to manage their priorities from publishing and Marvel Studios because when Marvel Studios you know makes these new movies they want to sell the movies and sell the really yeah. so they need in order to do that they need to see their characters represented in as many ways as possible. So then maybe it's like you, they want us to do these movie characters. And for, you know, so it's all these um, things that kind of coalesce together and it is a very iterative process. There are healthy debates. Um, There are some pretty contentious fights and a lot of times it's, you know we still agree to disagree uh, depending on what happens but we also work very well together and everyone kind of respects where everyone else is kind of coming from.
1: Yeah, I think we can sort of see, you know, from from the live streams and and 616 that you guys really do uh, function very well uh, as a team. But but speaking of of character selection and and outside input, uh, your colleague Dan recently tweeted uh, the cover to Excalibur number one, saying that Marvel editorial sent it over um, and that they might be to be dropping hints. And and to be clear, uh, that's a cover with Rachel Summers and Shadowcat. Uh, Megan and Captain Britain, all of whom would, of course, pair very nicely with the Caliban Wave Nightcrawler that we already have. Um, this is this is one of my all time favorite X Men teams, and I would, in particular, I would I would die to have Rachel in that red spiked uh, costume. What what is your personal enthusiasm level for for making that team?
2: It's it's up there. I mean, it's one of the ones that we. We need to address, I think, as we've kind of checked off the gold and blue, and we're almost done with X Factor and almost done with X Force, like that first iteration. The X Caliber team, to your point, we basically only have Nightcrawler. Uh, mm-hmm. That um, he goes in a couple of other you know uh, teams as well, but um, yeah, I-, I can't keep up with Dan on the Twitter. He he mm-hmm. is a maniac, both uh, you know from from rap references that I don't understand to. <laughs> current events to to marvel things so uh yeah uh but in terms of that particular team i think we we are we are fans of that and of those i know i know you you talked you spoke to rachel uh summers in that and you talked about her on a podcast of that lineup i i would want that shadow cat the most again oh, yeah. going back yeah. to that, that impel trading card you know um series one with her leg with like a pipe Kind of going through her leg in that that famous uh, Jim Lee art there, so I'd love I'd love for that one.
1: I I my one request uh, for for a Shadow Cat for the classic Shadow Cat. Obviously, she has to have her puffy sleeves, but a lot of folks forget about her kind. She had like bigger like Alan Davis. All well, the
0: Alan Davis hair.
1: hair there, and I, I think that's just as important uh, as those puffy sleeves. Again, just just throwing that out there. <laughs>
0: Brian, I, you, you mentioned you can't keep up with Dan and his social media, but we keep up with your social media and you did ask about an age of apocalypse and what we would like to see. And, you know, you had that two pack with Rogan Gambit. Is that, can, can we speculate on, on that? Is that a little taste of things to come
2: for AOA specifically?
0: Yeah. Age of apocalypse.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what we've said at this point, but I think it's either we said it or th- either we did say it, or it's a foregone conclusion that, yeah, there's going to be more kind of age of apocalypse um, coming. So yeah, like it's all those characters who, who we didn't get to in wave one, they're kind of on the table for, for the next follow-up wave. Um, we'll see. We'll see. And uh, pretty, pretty excited for the different X-Men things we have going on. I'm actually like, always pitching new ideas too, which, which may see the light of day soon or may not. So, um, you know, always to, to bring more
0: out. So you've been working with this team, with the Marvel team. You have this long sorted history. I don't want to ask you to pick, you know, among your children, but have you ever held like a figure and you were just so proud of it. And you're like, I am really exceptionally proud of my work on this one. And who was it? It started out
2: um, where I didn't have as many of those opportunities because I was kind of just coming on the team and I was just like supporting the guys and kind of what they wanted to do. So my first contribution I felt like to the line was um, I pitched the idea to do the Dark Phoenix uh, two pack. Yes. Pack um, because we needed an item and I knew we had that for that um, box set of the the, the first the first appearance like the original x-men team with like the human looking like beast and angel and so i knew we had that cyclops basically ready to go and i knew that we had gene planned for the juggernaut wave so i was like why not just mash them up dwight ended up using a different uh, body than than um for the dark phoenix one which turned out way better but um yeah that was one where you know i was still still newer-ish to the team and it was like hey dwight you know uh have an idea like how would you feel about this and can i like to you? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then he was like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Like, let's see what the team thinks. And then it kind of made it on shelf. And I was like, so proud of that, that that was my first from a Marvel example where it was an idea that wouldn't have gotten made then um, if I didn't suggest it, like not to say that it would have never, those figures would have never been made, but that was really fun. And then, um, yeah, there's been a bunch of examples since then. We've talked about Professor X in the hover chair I've, I've gotten little little character selects here and there. Um, I campaigned really hard for Sunspot and the strong guy wave. I think that yes. was just someone else. Um, yeah, just just characters like that. Um, and then just because I, I happen to be kind of sitting here looking at it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw these, did you ever see these Deadpool? Oh,
0: I um, have, I have.
2: So it's kind of X-Men, it's X-Men related, right? It's Deadpool. Um, that was just a really fun project because it, 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 it was so out of left field of what we would normally do on Legends and it was quite an undertaking. Um, and then the way, you know, the way we pitched it in in this meeting was I had a frozen chimichanga. I was driving around to <laughs> the Walgreens we mentioned looking for frozen in the frozen section for props for a, for a pitch. And so that's kind of how that all came about. And so that was a really fun They didn't like, um, they weren't as widespread as we were hoping for um, at retail, but um, if any fans love Deadpool, go, go hunt them down. They should be out there um, someplace.
1: What are you most excited for about 2021? I'm excited for Sentinel, to ship. Uh, number one,
2: <laughs> got to see, I went in the office last week. Uh, no, actually it was this week. <laughs> uh, and I ran into Dwight um, there and uh, kind of saw the, the, an updated model of the Sentinel. It just looks, it's so crazy. Guys, it's um, just the articulation in the, in the hands and how the fingers have multiple knuckles and the, they also like swivel at the base knuckle and the thumb can kind of go. It's just like, and he had it posed out with the uh, tentacle coming out of his hand, gripping the new Marvel girl figure. And it's huge, it looks amazing. So that's fun. That's gonna be really fun to come out. Um, And yeah, you know, we're kind of getting into the, what would normally be the toy fair season in February. It's kind of a little bit different with how the events are gonna run this year, but uh, still have a lot more of 2021 that has yet to be revealed. And then we're hard at work on 2022, always pitching new stuff. We are huge X-Men fans. So even though 2019 was a huge year for X-Men because we had the big movie program, which we won't have every year, um, but always finding a place for X-Men waves and certain standalones and exclusives uh, where we can.
0: Yeah. So are we, are we going to get any, we're just classically conditioned as fans to expect February where we're going to get some announcements, but you guys have been so good. Are you just going to continue doing your fan first Friday rollouts or you going to do anything special? I think what toy fair is rescheduled for May.
2: Yeah. So the, so the official like toy fair event at Javits, I believe is Javits Mm -hmm. scheduled for May, but Hasbro does its own thing anyways, because we have, we have another showroom um that isn't at javits so i think that they're still working through the plans of what to do but whether regardless of like what virtual event becomes of what would have been toy fair this year uh i know that the teams are continuing to do the the fan first fridays and the you know pre-orders are like a big part of our business now these days and marvel mondays um will continue for the foreseeable future knock on wood um so that's like a fan channel type play so yeah a lot a lot more to come and um you know, we're we all from from a working standpoint, still stuck at home for a while, so we kind of are forced <laughs> forced into this.
0: Well, you guys have been so great to us. Look, we can ask you questions all day. So I just want to thank you, you and the entire team. We just we feel like such a connection with you guys, and it's so wonderful hearing you speak and hear about your history with X Men because we can tell your fans you're not just some nameless company putting out toys for, for kids to buy. Like you see the TLC and it means so much to fans like Flink and I, so thank you so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I have a second, it. you know, everything he said, you, you guys it's, it's, you know, it might be fan first Friday but you guys are fans first as well. So, and it, it really comes across uh, in, in all that you do. And we're just so thankful that, that you take the time to, to, you know, not just do like the, the, the company sponsored stuff, but to, to talk to fans like us as well. It it really does mean a lot to, to both of us and all the other fans out there.
2: Yeah. Keep up, keep up the good work. Um, I've listened to a couple episodes of your podcast and it's, it's good stuff. And you know, you guys are experts and passionate too. So that's, that's what makes for a good podcast. I listen. to (laughs) everyone, does a lot of different podcasts for diverse interests from sports to other things. But, um, Yeah. I appreciate you guys as well.
0: Thank you. you. That means a whole lot. Thank you. Ryan, where can fans find you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm on the Instagram trying Uh, it's like
2: (laughs) my wife changed the actual handle. I think it's like Ryan two underscores (laughs) or whatever, but um, yeah. uh, Not in the habit of breaking news there, but you know, like sharing some of my fandom and some kind of behind the scenes stuff that I can talk about. I did that whole, Thing to close out the year because you know quite frankly uh i was getting a little uh, competitive with all the mandalorian stuff i feel like we needed some some more discussion around marvel legends because we had no no news so i wanted to do something to to stir a little interest back up so we'll continue to do that and you know work with our pulse friends on on all the marketing as well
0: all right is there is there anything else that you have that you'd like to plug or talk about
2: no i think that is <laughs> it up um yeah, you'll you'll see us you'll see us when you when you see us. Uh, we'll be out there, kind of here and there.
0: Thank you, Ryan. So as always, folks, I'm the
1: Uncanny Dayspring, and I'm the Adjectiveless Linkman. And we'll see you all next week. Peace out, y'all.